Good morning, friends. God bless you. You're welcome to a word of victory today. And I believe this is a word of victory. It's called My Comforter. And I just want to ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us today to grasp and to understand, Lord, that you are the one who comforts us. It says in Isaiah chapter 51, um, if you want to turn there, in Isaiah 51 and verse 12, it says, I... Even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that are afraid of man who dies and of the son of man who is made as destructible as grass, that you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, that you continually tremble with fear all day long because of the rage of the oppressor. You know, so many people struggle with fear. And fear is the reason that we take comfort in things um, in order to make ourselves, you know, quieten and calm down. And so I just pray today, Father, in the name of Jesus, that those things that we have taken comfort in in the past. Lord, we repent of taking comfort in anything other than you. And we ask you today, Father, for your hand of deliverance upon us. Um, Father God, where there are addictions, where there are uh, dependencies upon things, Lord, that are destructive in our lives, I pray, Father, that you would bring deliverance to us. And the way that deliverance comes is that as we understand and know you more and more and uh, receive your love, you see, it's the love of God. It's, um, it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, when perfect love comes in, all fear has to leave or all fear is driven out or cast out. So when we allow the love of God to penetrate and come into our hearts and when we receive his love and actually you know, take what he says in his word about us and believe it and start proclaiming it. Um, what happens is, is that we get filled up, if you like, and we expand with his love. And the more we expand with the knowledge of his love and the knowledge of his goodness, the less room there is for fear or for anything else that the enemy would try to dish up to you. And so I pray that today, Lord. I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit right now. And I thank you, um, Father, for the Spirit of God in your word. And you said, Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And this is why so many of us, you know, can begin uh, treatment plans or, or diets or, you know, fasts or whatever it is that, that you um, battle with and struggle with and that you're trying to give up or trying to stop when we try to do it in our own power. You know, and there are some who achieve this and, and but they, their whole life is sort of shadowed by the hauntingness of, you know, this is what I once was and I could go back to being that at any minute. And this is why people strive constantly, you know, to, to battle with things. But you see, the word of God tells us that the battle is the Lord's. And he says, I will fight for you. And so this scripture here in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12, I, even I, am he who comforts you. The Lord wants to be your comforter. We've, re we've studied recently in recent weeks how the Lord is our deliverer and how he is the one who rescues us. And I, I believe this is something very important for us to understand, that he's the one who comforts us. Because we all like to go somewhere 
um, to find comfort, whether it's in watching TV or whether it's in, uh, you know, drinking or um, for other people, it can be um, overeating or overspending or exercise or, you know, um, constantly pushing themselves and driving themselves with trying to have the perfect body and to be the perfect fit person, you know, and it can be all kinds of things. And I often think, and we spoke about this recently at church, um, you know, that uh, I, I know many people and... Um, who, when they were younger, would have had, you know, a bottle. You know, the way the baby has the bottle and the, the mom feeds the baby the bottle. Um, and sometimes babies have bottles. I remember myself uh, with one of my younger siblings. It was my job to rock him to sleep at night. And I, I used to be there rocking the, the cot he was in. And, and he'd be looking at you with his eyes open and he'd drink and he's bucky, you know. And he'd just looking up with a kind of a smirk. It wasn't on his lips because he was too busy drinking the milk, but it was in his eyes. You could see. <laughs> and um, he'd drain the bottle. And um, then he'd look at you and he'd lift up the bottle and he'd go, Mom make <laughs> and you to keep oh, my goodness I remember there were nights um, if my parents were out and I was babysitting that I'd fill the bottle three times or four times and my mother used to go crazy saying don't be giving him all that milk it's no wonder he won't eat anything else because he's full up of milk and you see this is how um, things happen with us where we we take comfort in something and then we need it constantly we need it more and more and more and more in order to feel satiated you know to feel satisfied and yet we don't have an appetite for other things because this thing consumes us and um, it's funny because I, I know of lots of other people um, who you know when they were younger and then they had to start school and they had this shameful secret that they still had a bottle, you know, and that when they'd come home from school, um, you know, their bottle would be there warmed, ready for them. And uh, others would be so embarrassed about it, they'd they'd take it away up into a hidden corner or under the table or up into the bedroom, you know, and, and close the door and drink the baki after school, even though they were, you know, well on in years. And, and it was like a shame for them or others would have a dodo that they'd have hidden but they wouldn't want you know a dodo as a soother or a pacifier and and um, they wouldn't want anybody else to know this but you see the thing is what I often think is is that um, especially in terms of addictions to food or drink or drugs or smoking anything like that is that um, there's a hand-to-mouth comfort and um, even biting nails anything like that you know um, it's because the, when the hand is brought to the mouth, that's actually uh, a comforting gesture for us. And it, it reminds us of, of I suppose, um, being nurtured, you know, by our mothers early on. Um, and so it's, it's, it's something to do with security. And so God is saying here, I want to be the one who comforts you. And I will comfort you with a comfort that will, um, you know, dissolve everything that has tried to oppress you. Praise God. In Psalm 23, the Lord reveals himself as the shepherd of his people. And I'll just read it for you, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm sure you know this. You've probably heard it many times at funerals. And to be honest, this is not a death psalm. Um, the psalms mean songs. And this psalm is actually a psalm of 
of restoration and of total peace. Maybe that's why, you know, I think, it, you know, it does mention the, the valley of the shadow of death and maybe that's why people perceive it as being a death psalm, but it's not. It's a psalm of life and, and blessed life, a life of peace and of comfort and of rest. And this is what the Lord wants for each one of us. And he wants that for you, dear friend. You know, you are his son. You are his daughter. You have, a, 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 the Lord delights in you. He loves you so much. Okay, let's read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I, that's, that line speaks so much to me. He refreshes my soul is another translation. And another translation is he renews my strength. You see, our soul is our mind, our emotions, um, that place where we deal with the things that happen in life and how we deal with them. And so what God does is he brings us uh, away with him to quiet places. Um, this is why Jesus said, you know, when you pray, go into your closet or go, you know, somewhere where you can be alone. For many people, that may be, you know, going to the bathroom and locking the door or going out into the car and shutting the door where you can be alone and just to talk to the Lord and just to pour out your heart to him. He knows already everything that's going on, but there's something about when we verbalize and when we speak out those things that are on our hearts and that are, you know, causing us to be afraid, it's very much, you know, identical to the way that a little child will run to their loving mom or their loving dad and pour out their heart to them and say, guess what happened, mommy? Oh, look, daddy, what's after happening? And, you know, they jump up on the parent's knee or the lap and the parent snuggles them in and, and lets them tell all their woes and then says, it's okay. And they start to soothe them and comfort them. That's the relationship God wants to have with you. But for so many people, the relationship that they have with God is this uh, formal, rigid, um, based on ritual and based on uh, how good you are. And, and, and uh, you know, this is totally uh, an abomination really to God because it is uh, completely the opposite of what Jesus came to do. God sent his son to die in our place and to pay the price for us uh, so that we would never have to endure curse, so that we could be forgiven of our sin, so that we could be released from captivity of those things that our enemy, the devil, has tied us up with. And this is why Jesus came, to bring freedom. It says in Galatians chapter 5, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ means Messiah or Saviour. It's not Jesus' second name, you know. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah and the Savior. And he came to save you. And he came to save me and deliver us. And he did that because he loves us. And God is not angry with you, friend. You are not a mistake. You know, you are not an accident or some kind of uh, problem that that issued forth from, from your parents. You know, God has ordained you to be on this earth for such a time as this. And the devil knows it. And he does everything he can to bring destruction. Jesus laid it out quite clearly in John's Gospel, chapter 10. Uh, again, where he was speaking about shepherding, the Lord 
word really, you know, I love the fact that he uses that that symbol of, of the shepherd as to how he loves and cares for his people. But Jesus made it quite clear and he said, I am the good shepherd. But he said, you have an enemy and he is the thief. He comes to steal from you. He comes to kill you or to kill your future, to kill your hopes and your dreams, to kill, you know, to kill you physically, kill your health and destroy. He comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And, and he, you know, the, by, by doing these things, the enemy brings destruction into your life. Uh, he, he can cause destruction by, you know, causing accidents or tragedies or traumas. He causes destruction by, by causing causing other human beings to carry out evil deeds against people, to abuse them, uh, to manipulate them, to, to bruise and to hurt them. But Jesus said the thief comes to do this, to steal, to kill and destroy. But he said, I have come that you may have life and that you may enjoy your life, have an abundant life, a blessed life. And this picture that we're looking at here in Psalm 23, this is the blessed life. Sheep do not worry about, you know, anything when their shepherd is with them. He brings them to where there is plenty of food, plenty of provision, plenty of safe water. You know, he brings them by the still waters or by the quiet streams. And this is so important for us, um, you know, that we come to a place of being quiet with God and, and uh, you know, uh, being washed and cleansed with his word and just spending time. Uh, with him um, the shepherd brings his sheep to quiet waters or still waters because sheep you know I don't know that they can't swim but I, I heard that once that they cannot swim um, or that the, you know fast flowing water is very dangerous for them because they can drown because of their their sort of weight um, the, the way their body is is dispersed and um so he brings, the shepherd brings them to water where they're safe. And this is what God wants to do with you. He wants to bring you out of that place of destruction, that place where the enemy has sucked you, uh, you know, into some kind of a vortex where you're in some kind of a, a cycle, much like a washing machine, you know, and you see the, you watch a washing machine and the things are um, going around and around and around and, and there's no let up at all and they're being wrung out and strung out inside in that machine. That's very often what life Life can feel like for people is that they're they're caught in this cycle or in this vortex and and there seems to be no way out but you see the way out Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except th through me and unfortunately what religion uh, and I'm talking about religion here as in man's setup of religion has done to people is tell people a that God is angry with you and B, that you need to go to somebody else besides God in order to see would they put in a good word for you with God to see at some point, and if you do enough good things in life, that hopefully you will earn some kind of brownie points or some kind of a, you know, um, a tab uh, whereby you can exchange that for hopefully he'll let you into heaven someday once you get through this miserable existence here on earth. You know, that's what what religion has done to people. It has totally um, compromised uh, the message of the gospel, and it has perverted it. In fact, 
and it is based mostly upon man's laws and very little of the word of God. And you see, friend, the Lord speaks quite clearly in the Bible and he says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge in Hosea 4 6. And I see this every day. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because people have no knowledge of how good God is, of how much he loves us. There has been a, a false report put out that God is an angry, hateful, cruel kind of oppressor, some kind of old guy sitting on a, a throne with a big long beard and a big massive stick waiting to wallop you at any moment he can and press you down and crush you and oppress you and make you know what kind of a worm you are. Listen, that is a lie from the pits of hell. God knows exactly what we're like and he is quite clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and he knew that there was no way we could ever save ourselves and there was no way we could ever make ourselves right with God. We could never be, um, you know, the, the perfect holy person who would never sin. That That doesn't exist, so get that out of your mind. But what he did was he made a way and a plan of salvation in that God himself came down and became one of us and grew up. He was born as a little baby and grew up and he uh, lived his life on this earth, Jesus did. But one thing, he never sinned. And he went to the cross totally innocent and blameless. And he laid down his life for us by giving his blood in exchange for ours. And that's what the cross was about. The cross was a place of exchange. But Jesus is not still on the cross. He then was put in the tomb. They laid his body in the tomb and then God raised him from the dead and he is alive. And the reason God raised him from the dead uh, was as a promise, as a seal and a guarantee to us that he would raise us from the dead, you know, because of the fact that the price for the sin has been paid. And so this is the gift that Jesus gave us, the gift of his righteousness. He was perfectly righteous because he had no human father. His father was God. He, you know, God, uh, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived Jesus and his father was God. His father was no man. That's why Mary said, how can this be since I have known no man? She was a virgin. Uh, she was betrothed, betrothed to Joseph. And in that culture, what that meant was they were engaged. And so they would be engaged, but wouldn't meet up with each other for one year. And that was in order to make sure that the woman was a virgin and that she was not pregnant with another man's child when she would marry her betrothed. Now, okay, cool it. That's the way that it was in that culture. And the thing is, is that, uh, anyway, that's another day's, <laughs> that's another day's teaching. Let's not get into that. But anyway, 
uh, you know, then suddenly Mary was found to be with child. And it said Joseph was a righteous man and he didn't want to shame her. So he decided that he'd break off the engagement quietly. Uh, he knew he hadn't, that he hadn't uh, slept with her. And uh, so he knew he wasn't the father. But the angel came to him then and said, no, Joseph, take her as your wife. Don't be afraid because that child has been conceived by the spirit of God and he will bring salvation. Um, and so that's why Joseph ended up with Mary and Joseph became Jesus's stepfather. But Jesus's blood came from God the Father. And you see, the blood supply uh, for the baby, the blood comes, the bloodline comes from the Father. And that's why Jesus never sinned. And and so God came in a human form. He came down himself in order to defeat sin and defeat Satan and defeat death. Death could not hold him because he had not sinned. And so he was raised from the dead. And uh, that, you know, was for our justification. And what happened was, was that God exchanged Jesus's righteousness for our sin. That's why it said he became the Lamb of God who took away all our sins. And you see, it's our sins, regardless of what they are, regardless of if they're a small sin like gossiping or slandering or, or if, you know, stealing or lying or cheating uh, or a big sin, as people think, you know, like murder, or rape or whatever, those things... Listen, it doesn't matter what the sin is because sin is sin. Sin separates from God. And that's how man needed a savior in order to reconcile us back to God. And that's what Jesus was doing. And um, praise God, by doing that, he was able to exchange his righteousness, his holiness, and give it to us as a free gift, a free gift. You do not have to pay a price. And this is, you know, what the enemy has done. And, and he has caused men to be totally deceived, to make men, uh, you know, to make these laws that say, you must burn, you must pay some kind of a price in order to be made right with God. That is a lie and it is an abomination. You do not have to burn somewhere because Jesus already made the way. The only thing you have to do is receive him as your Lord and Savior. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to be Lord of your life and obey his word. Repent for your sins. Lord, I am sorry I've sinned and I admit it. And listen, we all sin and, you know, we sin constantly. There isn't a day that goes by that, you know, we don't sin in some way, but Praise God. That's what Jesus said. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. And now it's not that you go off habitually sinning and saying, right, I'm going to go out and, and you know, um, sin sexually, immorally or murder someone or, or whatever. Uh, and then, oh, look, I can always repent afterwards. No, you know, that's that's habitual mindful sin. You know, that's not what he's talking about. But there are, you know, all through the day, we're given opportunities to sin and we certainly take them, don't we? And uh, then we, we, we regret it after and say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, you know. But um, the thing is, is that 
That's what the blood, that's what Jesus, his blood speaks for us. It speaks of a better covenant, the new covenant. And it's based, it's the covenant of mercy and it's the covenant of healing and restoration. And that's what the Lord is speaking here in Psalm 23, is that he wants to be our shepherd, the one who cares for us, the one who ministers love, the one who who protects us and who preserves us, and the one who comforts us. So let's get back to reading Psalm 23. Um, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So he wants to bring restoration into your life. That's what Jesus was doing. He was bringing restoration at the cross. Restoration between us and God. Restoration into our bodies physically. That's why he took those whippings and those beatings. He took those so that our bodies could be healed. It's in Isaiah 53 and in 2 Peter 2.24. Um, you know, uh, by his stripes, we are healed. Sickness and disease is a curse and it is not from God. It is not some kind of a cross for you to bear. The only cross that we are to bear that Jesus told us to take up every day. He said, take up your cross and follow me. That cross he's talking about is the cross of persecution for following him. And you can be sure if you make a decision to follow Jesus, you know, people will be talking about you. You're going to have uh, the enemy trying to to bring all kinds of, of strife or problems against you. But guess what? God is your comfort. He is your protector. He is your deliverer and he is your rescuer and he will do that for you. Um, So praise God. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to bring peace into your emotions, uh, peace into your heart and your mind so that you don't have to reach for these other things, so that you don't have to lean on those things that previously, you know, brought you comfort where they numbed the pain. You know, so many people drink too much. Uh, they drink and they drink and they drink because it's, it's numbing and, and, and uh, quietening down a pain that's inside of them. And God wants you to be able to bring that pain to him. And, you know, I suppose there's a vulnerability um, to allowing the Lord to be our comforter, because in order to receive comfort from him, like I said earlier, when the little child comes running to their mommy or their daddy and tells them all their problems and tells them all what has happened, you know, they have to expose what the problem is. And the parent, you know, if they're a good parent, they'll ask questions like, well, did, did some, you know, did, did what happened in the run up to it? Did you do something? And, you know, the child will have to say, well, you know, I, I, I did this or or I did that or whatever and you know you'll have to explain the whole story because of course if you only explain half a story and you know this is something that I see more and more in the world is that the enemy is deceiving people they're totally deceived into only seeing you know part of the story and you're seeing this play out a lot on on, on social media as well you, you know you've got all kinds of, of confusion and, and chaos going on and um, the thing is as Jesus said you know those whom the sun sets free are free indeed and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free the truth that you know and understand these days that we're in friend more than ever we need to press into the lord and press into the word of god because that is the only stable thing that 
we have right now. Everything else is transient and, you know, people will let you down. Uh, circumstances may not work out the way you thought they would. Uh, there's all kinds of, of instability in the world. Um, but the one stable thing that we have is the word of God. And that's what he's saying here. He restores my soul. He will bring stability, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Knowing the Lord as your friend, as your savior, as your Lord, as your father, uh, knowing him in that personal, intimate way brings a peace and a security that even if things aren't, you know, uh, exactly as you'd like them to be, yet you have hope in God that he will work out all those situations. Praise God. He restores my soul. He refreshes. He wants to refresh your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Again, that word righteousness, what it's speaking about is right standing with God. And we can have no right standing with God based upon ourselves. The only way we get right standing with God is by asking Jesus to come into our lives and trusting in him. That's why he said, all you have to do is believe Believe in the one whom this, whom God sent. Believe in the Son of God. Um, he spoke to Jairus in, in Mark chapter 5, and he, he you know, there was a bad report came. Jairus's daughter, um, <clears throat> the friends came uh, when he was on the way to his house with Jesus to bring him there to heal his daughter. And the friends came and they said, your daughter's after dying. There's no need to bring that fella now. You better come home and start arranging the funeral. And Jesus, it says, Jesus looking at him, but ignoring what they had said, looked at Jairus and said, don't be afraid, only believe. And, you know, his words to Jairus brought comfort to Jairus and brought hope. Were the circumstances bad? They were terrible. His daughter was dead. This is what everyone was telling him. But he trusted in Jesus and he went with Jesus and they went to the house and Jesus raised his daughter from the dead. And that's what God wants to do with you, friend. He wants to raise your life from the dead. He wants to bring resurrection, his resurrection power. Uh, his Holy Spirit, you know, is that resurrection power. He wants to bring his resurrection power into those places in your life that you thought were dead and that were hopeless that would never work out uh, so he <clears throat> leads you in the paths of righteousness that righteousness comes through his blood right standing with God for his namesake yes though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death okay not death walking through the valley of the shadow of death so there's this shadow and all through life we have this you know, there's a shadow of death. There's, there's fear. There's, there's darkness. There's, you know, there's all kinds of things that the enemy uses to, to try and bring a threat of failure or defeat, uh, upon people. Uh, whatever that may be. It may be the, the fear of failure <coughs> of a relationship. Excuse me for a moment. <coughs> the fear of failure of a business. Or of, uh, you know, that, that you're going to fall down and fail in some way. Uh, the fear of death itself, maybe through a sickness. Um, but you're only walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But when you are walking with him, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod and the staff there, they represent the authority of God. 
the the staff and the rod uh, were carried by people in that culture and they had different kind of ornate um Oh, designs and patterns and things like that, and them depending on the on the position that that person held in society, and um, so the shepherd had his own type of rod and staff, and so it it signified authority, and so God's authority comforts us. And listen, we all need boundaries, and the Word of God is a boundary line and a marker for us. You know that you shall not do this, do not do this, because if you do this, you're giving the devil, you're giving the enemy access into your life not just into your life but into your children's and your children's children's lives you're opening the door for disaster and so that's why his word that's why he's given us his commands and Jesus said if you love me you will obey my commands you will not you know he he tells us in his word constantly uh um, about unforgiveness, about bitterness, about hatred, about murder. Uh, and I, I'm not just talking about murder as in actually physically killing somebody, but Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've already committed murder. And this is something that, that I think our society is breeding and grooming people that hatred and anger and bitterness and cribbing and complaining and grumbling is okay. You know, express yourself, but God forbids it. And the reason he does is because it's like drinking poison. You're poisoning yourself, but not only yourself, you're poisoning your family and your generations to come. You're bringing a curse. That's why it's so important to forgive people and to release them, uh, you know, and, and because what you're doing ultimately is releasing yourself and your own family. And yes, perhaps they've done something terrible to you. Maybe you've been in some kind of a, an abusive uh, relationship or, or what, you know, there's all kinds of different things. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe somebody has betrayed you. Maybe a spouse has betrayed you. But the thing is, friend, is that you'll never be free until you forgive. And you'll never be free, uh, you know, you, you'd be held captive by that bitterness and that unforgiveness. So the Lord wants you to trust him to let it go and to release forgiveness to them, even though they don't deserve it. You know, God says that we are not to judge, that he is the one who judges and he is the one who will avenge us. That's why he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay it really saddens me when I hear it, you know, by people, I'll never forgive them. I'll, you know, and you hear it often on TV and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I just think, my God, you don't even know what you're saying. And um, so many times down through life, you know, we have seen people who've been in, in terrible, uh, terrible circumstances. And you'd hear them saying, well, I forgive them. And, you know, you know that that, that person is free. They're actually free. You can see it in them, even though they've, they've been through some type of terrible trauma or loss. But I'll tell you, they've just, they've just um, received freedom into their lives by simply uh, being able to forgive. And um, it's the greatest gift you can give to yourself is to forgive. Anyway, how do we get onto that? For you are with me, you're riding your staff. Yes, the, the authority, that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He said that in John chapter 15. He said, you know, if you are attached to the vine, 
And what that means is, is that we get our nourishment and our, our supply of provision from God. Um, we will bear fruit and we will thrive and, and be happy. But he said, for those who, who disengage or disconnect from God and how we disconnect from God is by disobeying his word. And, uh, you know, that, that can come in many kinds of ways and not repenting for sin. But I'll tell you, unforgiveness is the biggest trap of all. And it's the, the thing that, that stunts and paralyzes and cripples more lives. Um, and it's the thing actually that when it does come, you see such freedom coming to people. You see physical healing manifesting. You see, you see restoration in families, um, in a mighty way. So, you know, don't ever be afraid of God's commands because they are for our good and they comfort us. There's comfort in his word. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's eternal security there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So many people, you know, are homeless. So many people have, have threats of eviction and, um, you know, not being able to afford homes or not being able to afford rent uh, hanging over their lives. And, and so that, you know, to have a place, uh, to have a home, it brings such security. And uh, this is what the Lord is speaking here, is that he has uh, given us this promise of eternal security, that we will dwell with him forever. Um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Praise God. You know, uh, even though, as I said earlier, circumstances may be difficult, even though there may be things going on or people who are against you or oppressing you, God wants to bless you even in the midst of that as you trust in him and as you lean on him. He wants to bring you to a place of where you are, you know, quieted and comforted. Um, you anoint my head with oil. You know, in the, the culture of, of the day um, and given the heat and everything in that land at the time, the shepherd would pour oil on top of the sheep's head. And what that oil would do, because sheep were um, tormented with, with parasites and, and um, you know, all kinds of uh, insects that would torment them. So when the shepherd would put oil on their heads, the oil would flow down and the, it would repel the parasites. And that's what God, you know, the oil he's talking about spiritually is the oil of the Holy Spirit. And when we, um, when we know the Lord and, and are filled with his spirit and baptized with his Holy Spirit, there's a power that we are imbued with. He bestows his power upon us uh, in order for us to be able to live successfully and, and you know, repel all those uh, lies that the enemy would try and, and, and bring into people's ears or, or those um, difficult circumstances that the, that the devil would try and bring against people. You have authority in those areas and it's because of the Spirit of God living inside of you and, and uh, you being anointed with the Spirit of God really really on, on your lives. My cup runs over. Uh, that's just, you know, abundant provision and favor in every situation. Surely goodness, that's grace and mercy. That's the covenant we have shall follow me. So you see, we have a covenant of grace and mercy, and that's written in the blood of Jesus. And, um, 
praise God. Colossians, uh, in chapter two, I think it says, it says, you know, that the blood of Jesus speaks for us because he, um, defeated Satan and wiped out all of the handwriting of the law that was against us. Therefore, what that means is, um, that Jesus, uh, paid the price for our sins and then defeated Satan and made a public show of him and took back the authority that he had taken off of men when Adam had sinned and even when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden they gave man's authority to the devil and that's why the devil has uh, you know been known as the god of this world and so um Jesus took back that authority from Satan in hell and then God raised him from the dead and he gave us those keys of authority in our lives so that we can have authority in the areas, uh, in every area of our lives. But, you know, so many people don't realize and understand that we have authority. Um, and by being subject to God's authority, by obeying his commands, we then can walk in that authority ourselves and take authority over uh, those, uh, you know, attacks from the enemy. That's why Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over Satan, over his snakes and his scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The snakes and the scorpions, that's in Luke chapter 10, 19. The snakes and the scorpions are those things, sicknesses, diseases, failure, addictions, problems, breakdowns, you know, uh, financial lack, whatever it is that the enemy tries to bring against you. Um, you have authority. Uh, when you obey God's word and when you walk with him and when you dwell with him through that covenant of mercy and covenant of grace. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your lives. If you want to turn over to um, Proverbs chapter 3, we we'll leave Psalm 23. And in Proverbs chapter 3, it says um, in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Praise God. You know, to have a healthy flesh, to have a healthy life, to have a healthy physical body, to have a healthy mind. Uh, when we depart from evil, when we turn from it and repent of our sins and ask Jesus to come into our lives and ask him to be Lord and actually walk with him and trust in him and and stop, you know, um, depending on our own abilities and saying, well, this is what I think I should do. And instead say, Father, Lord, what is it that you want me to do here? How should I react according to your word? Will you teach me how to behave here, Lord, in Jesus' name? And that's, you know, trusting in the Lord with all your heart, leaning not in your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledging him. You cannot acknowledge him and and have him uh, working with you in all your ways unless you personally know him, unless it's intimate. Hallelujah. And uh, so... I hope this has helped you in some way, you know, um, I, I was just thinking, uh, leaning on something that's not God, uh, you know, can become a God to us because we take our ease and our comfort from that thing. And so that's what he's saying here is lean on God. Stop leaning on yourself. Stop trusting in the things that you have trusted in in the past and 
take, you know, uh, put your trust in him and watch him bring you out of disaster. Watch him heal you. Watch him bring restoration and watch him bring provision to you. Watch him uh, fill you with his love and watch all that fear, all that torment leave. Hallelujah. It's personal for Jesus. He came personally for you. He didn't just come for, you know, a whole group of people. Yes, he did. He came to save the world, but he came to save the world, which is made up of individuals, made up of his children, his sons and his daughters. And he is longing and reaching out to you. Just in the same way that in Luke chapter 15, the father was longing and looking every day to see would the prodigal son come back. And then one day he did come back when he came to his senses and he decided in his heart that he was going to repent and say, my God, I need to go back to my father and say, I'm sorry and ask him, you know, could I, could I come back and live in his household? And it says that the father saw him when he was still a long way off and the father ran to meet his son and you know in that culture at the time it was a real disgrace for any man to run because they um, wore you know like a tunic type outfit and um, in order to run they would have to lift up the skirt of the tunic and expose their bare legs and in that culture at the time it, it wasn't acceptable to do that and so that father in order to run to meet his son he had to uh, you know shame himself really I suppose lift up his skirts and run to meet that boy and, and he hugged him it said he threw his arms around him he put his ring on him the ring signified um authority because they would seal you know their 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 mail with a, their their signet ring um it said that he called his servants go get him the finest robe go kill the fattened calf let's celebrate because this son of mine who was lost has now been found let's rejoice and you know he 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 just um, poured out his love upon that son. Did the son deserve it? Not at all. Of course he didn't. And none of us deserve God's mercy and his love. But he is there willing to give it to us because he's already paid the price for our sin, for our failures. He's already paid the price and, and, and uh, you know, paid the ransom that was due for our, for our sin and the penalty that was due for us. Jesus paid it with his own blood at the cross so that we could be made right with God. And so, friend, I would encourage you today, lean heavily on God. You know, he will be your fire by, by night. He will be your cloud by day. Follow after him. You know, uh, find out... Uh, Find out what you can about him. He said, seek me while I may be found by you. Seek me while I may be found by you. Uh, start reading, you know, read the Psalms. Um, start reading the Gospel of John. Go look. There's um, some websites called, um, there's BibleGateway.com. It's an, an online Bible resource. And there's like all different translations in different languages, um, different translations like the NLT, which is, as I read, or um, as I said earlier, it's a, it's a more contemporary English version. There's the NIV. Um, there's a wonderful NIV UK 
um, version. And if you press the icon with the speaker in whatever chapter you're reading there, um, the actor David Suchet will will read the, the the word of God for you. You know, and and there's something about hearing and reading at the same time. I I, I really feel that it's um it's it's a, a way of of um, getting a deep grasp and understanding of the word of God. Um, so I just encourage you. Oh, there's so many other scriptures I could have read, but um, let's just see if there's anything else the Lord wants to speak before we go. In um, in Psalm 119, it's a really, really long Psalm, but um, there's two scriptures there. In verse 50, it says, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me and given me life. You know, the word of God is like that balloon pump. You know, when a balloon is, is uh, you buy it in the packet and it's really flat and, and shapeless. And then suddenly you start pumping the air into the balloon and it starts expanding and filling out. That's what the word of God does to us. It, it revives us. And it's like oxygen to our very souls. And it, it brings calm. It brings reassurance. It brings quietness. It brings confidence. It brings hope. And it brings joy. And maybe just to finish, you know, we might read Psalm 131. And this is going back to my story about the 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 pacifiers or the bakis or the bottles of milk and the, the things we took comfort in as children and, and that sort of nurtured and, and, and quieted us down. You know, another brother of mine actually had a blankie. And um, one time I remember my grand-aunt came home from America and um, she was staying with us. And the next thing, he was only about two and a half and he raced up the house to my mother and he said, she got off my tickles. And my grand-aunt had seen his blanket and said, oh, tut tut, you know, that's a disgracefully dirty looking thing. And she she snipped off all of the shredded bits of it and they were his tickles. So he was so upset, but um, praise the Lord. In Psalm 131, uh, maybe somebody did that to you, friend. You know, maybe somebody did something, uh, you know, to 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 hurt you or to crush you in some way, and and that it really affected. You know, it's amazing the things that affect us, and it might sound so silly to one person, or it might, you know, I think that as well about children. Sometimes, you know, had, that's why those children who had the bottles when they were five, six, seven, eight, or nine, or ten years of age, you know, that's why they went off into a room on their own, drinking their bottle of shame because you know, had other children uh, heard that they had a bottle still, you know, they they would laugh at them and mock them. And, and it, it, it's a time where rejection can really come into a person. But um, anyway, I just encourage you, God never laughs at you and never mocks you, you know, and he understands everything about you because he made you. Psalm 139, actually, that is. But anyway, let's let's read Psalm 131 to finish so you can go away. Say, will she ever shut up? Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. Um, in Psalm 131, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible. So, you know, all the Bible translations, they have like in brackets after in, say, in Bible Gateway, AMP stands for Amplified, NLT stands for New Living Translation, um, MSG stands for the Message Translation. Um, so that's what they all mean. NKJV uh, stands for the New King James Version. Anyway, this is the Amplified in Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. 
Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul deliberately. Hallelujah. You know, that there comes a time when we have to, right, take a breath, quieten down, calm down, calm down the emotions, calm down the turmoil, calm down the anger, calm down the fear, the terror, and just take our authority and say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I take authority right now over this chaos or over this confusion or over this anger or, or threat of fear or whatever it is um this pain that's that's physical pain that's that's causing me great turmoil i take authority over it in jesus name and i ask you lord to quieten me down and quieten down my mind and my heart and let me hear your voice because you see friend we will never hear his voice if we are like oh my god look what's happening now you know and and wound up to the last you know it yourself you, you, you get uh worked up or frightened or anxious about something and it's like um you know totally irrational uh constant uh overwhelming thoughts and and chaos really well in order to um this is what the lord wants you to do he wants you to come away and quieten down your soul and allow him to be the one who brings you comfort and pour out your heart to him get a notebook okay um or or, or even just write out those things oh that's just an alarm i shut it off there um write out those things that are bothering you pour out your heart to the lord talk them out if it's something deeply deeply private or you feel that somebody might, might be uh you know nosing in your stuff just write it out on a page and then burn it <gasps> all the environmentalists go oh my god what? <laughs> well, destroy it or shred it in some way. Okay. But, um, pour out your heart to the Lord. And I often think that in writing out something and in even then quietening down and listening and saying, Lord, what do you have to say about this? And go to his word, open the word of God, ask him to show you something. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you in the word of God and to reveal what his heart is, what his answer is to you. And then write that out and meditate on it and ponder on his word. And that's where you will start to see, you know, it's like then that you're working on a jigsaw and it's like the Lord is handing you the pieces and he's even pointing to the place and he's saying, put that there, put that there. And you start to see all these broken up pieces coming back together to make this beautiful picture. And, and that's you. That's your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring all those fragments, all those broken places, all those places where you've been scarred, where you've been wounded, maybe where you yourself have done things, you know, stupid things, wrong things, bad things, where, where he wants you to come to a place of repentance and where he wants you to come to a place of wholeness and, and putting back, um, the, as I said, the fragments. And, you know, it's amazing. We think, well, it's all broken. It's all smashed. It's all, it's pointless. It's, it's, it's too far gone. No, there's nothing too far gone for God. And I often think he makes the most beautiful pieces out of the fragments, out of the mosaic. You know, uh, you, you look there and you see where they make, uh, these mosaic pictures and you just say, my God, it's just utterly stunning. I think that's the way the Lord works with our lives. He wants to to make you even better than before. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to restore your soul. So surely, this is verse 2 of Psalm 131. 
I have calmed and quieted my soul deliberately. You need to make a decision. Hang on a minute. I'm going to take a step out of all the confusion and out of that vortex of, of chaos right now. I'm going to take a step out of it. I'm going to spend time with the Lord and I'm going to hear what's in his heart. And I'm going to allow him to be my comfort and to, to start filling me with his love. And I'm going to start receiving it. And I'm going to start proclaiming what his word says about me. I am not a failure. I am not useless. I am not a loser. Lord God, you said that I am an overcomer that I am more than a conqueror. Find out what his word says about you. You said in your word, Lord, that you know the plans you have for me. This is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to do you good and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Lord, you said that you want me to live a life of hope. And Lord, I thank you that you are transforming me and changing me from the inside out by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the oil of your spirit that has been poured on my life. You are transforming the way I think about myself, about my future, about my family or my friends or about my life. You are transforming me. And you are the one comforting me. You are the base of my security, my rock, my foundation. And you are building me back up. You know, in Isaiah 54, there's a beautiful picture of the Lord rebuilding you, um, rebuilding your walls with precious jewels so that you'll glisten and sparkle and shine light for him. You know, and this is how he wants to restore you in order that you will meet somebody else who's in that same place that you once were. And you'll say, hey, listen. This is what the Lord did for me. And you'll be that hand that reaches down to, to help that person. And God will use you as that hand to pull them out of that, that mess that they're in and that turmoil. And this is how he ministers. He ministers his love through people. This is also how the enemy operates. He ministers his hate and his, and his vile, evil wickedness through people. And that's how you see people doing horrible things to people. And you say, you know, the first thing that, that people will say then is, where is God and all this? I thought if he was so good, he wouldn't let this happen. Well, you know, all of us, every one of us have been given a free will. And so it's as we yield our will, our will to him, as we surrender our lives to him, and allow him to pour in his love into us and pour his love out through us, that's how we are transformed. And there's nobody that's beyond redemption. You know, Jesus died for all of us. He died for us individually and personally. You, He died for you. He died for me. But he died for all those who are living far from him as well. And he has a plan for their lives. But unfortunately, the devil has them sewn up and tied up and held captive. But Jesus said that he came to set the captives free in Isaiah chapter 61. And again in Luke chapter 4. It was the very first thing that Jesus preached. He came to heal the brokenhearted to bind up their wounds. There's that picture again of that broken up um, jigsaw of, of a life and, and, and fragments all over the place. And Jesus handing the pieces, you know, to you and pointing, put that there, put that there, put that there. And he starts to put your life, your mind, your heart, your relationships, your physical body. He starts to put you back together and bring restoration.
So surely calm yourself and quiet your soul like a weaned child resting with his mother. So a weaned child is a child that has been taken off the battle <laughs> and that is now able to feed themselves. You know, uh, they usually weaned children at like they would say the child was weaned at maybe four, five, six, because at that point the child can get their own um, food, you know, they can butter their bread, they can um, eat with a fork and a knife or a spoon, um, they can go to the sink and turn on the tap and, and pour themselves a glass of water so that, say, for instance, if something happened, that child would be able to feed themselves. They'd be able to go to the fridge and take out a yogurt or a milk or something. Uh, so that's a weaned child. So like a weaned child resting with his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. And look at this in the Amplified my soul is like a weaned child within me composed I love that word composed because so many people's lives are not composed they are totally chaotic and out of control but God wants you to have a mind to have a heart to have a life that's in order and that is composed and that is not being dictated to by any addiction or by any fear or by any um, sickness or disease or any physical need. God wants you to live composed and totally at peace. My soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontent. You see, the weaned child is not um, discontented because the wean child can go over and get an apple for themselves whereas the baby who's relying on their baki is you know oh my god you know when they're hungry and they need their battle because they start that wah you know and that that scream that pierces the whole house and everybody goes where's his bottle get it quick you know so friend um, I just encourage you with that God wants you blessed prosperous at peace he wants you healthy and strong and he loves you. He is your comfort.